Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 128 and is the first of several LSPR slash 2022 season review shows. To kick off this series, we start with the unsung heroes of limited two-wheel drive and Roberto Iglesias. Roberto was last year's class champion, but due to some challenges and good competition this year, it all came down to LSPR to decide the champion. Join us for another chat at the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Hello again, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and well, since our last episode, there's been a few happenings, and uh, I like to give my opinions a little bit on the uh, openers of these episodes. So first with the announcement that, um, it is a little ways back, Gino WRC Invest is going to try and focus uh, arrive and drive rentals for the USA slash ARA market. Uh, It's an article that was on Dirtfish. They think they can get in with that because the top class is now targeting the Rally 2 speeds, and that's the kind of cars that they offer. I'm always kind of cautious whenever there's uh, anything that has the word invest and rallying in the same name, unless maybe it's some pretty cool historics or something, but uh, not not always uh, the best combo of words to have together. But, you know, it might actually work for some wealthy gentleman drivers, but those would still you know, need to go through uh, the novice program and whatnot. So they wouldn't be until somebody's completed that, that somebody could kind of get into that seat. The more likely option is maybe some European folks wanting to come over and dabble in the American rallying scene. So that would be kind of cool. I'm definitely all for that. But to me, it seems that the most successful of the arrive and drive kind of system has been with uh, FE Motorsports. Um, the, the cars run by uh, Ed McNelly and uh, like Roberto's, his car here, Michael Hooper and his uh, rental Lexus's, uh, Lexi, <laughs> whatever you want to call that. But, you know, those two have been created a sustainable product. Definitely more people, I think, can kind of get started in rallying with something like that. So it'll be interesting to see if this thing from uh, Gino DeBerrissey Invest can actually get a foothold here. I'm all for it. I, you know, again, any option to add more people to be able to rally here in the States, I think is great. I'm just not sure how sustainable a program like that's going to be, unless they really do have, you know, people just kind of line it up, just waiting for a good deal. And they just want to have a chance to win a championship instead of, you know, having to get a full on WRC car uh, like Ken Block had or go up against, you know, Subaru and their dominance that they've had over the years. So we'll have to wait and see. Let's see here. The other news that I'm going to touch on was um, also kind of involving Dirtfish, and that's um, they let go of uh, ARA reporter Mason Runkle. I'll admit, when Dirtfish came on board as ARA's presenting and media partner, I was a bit frustrated. But, you know, COVID hit, and, you know, that was kind of my gig for three years. I was, uh, you know, working for ARA and doing a bunch of fun stuff, and, uh, you know, they went another direction, and that happens. But anyways, they came in, and Mason had a lot of passion for it, even if he didn't have the knowledge right away. And as time progressed, he began to learn and got more comfortable in the rally community. Finally, we started to see some good stories coming from just the front of the field, but from the back of the field as well. And it just kind of seemed to me that just as he was hitting his stride, he's been let go. And it might be just that the Dirtfish ARA sponsorship contract thing is expiring and they didn't have a place for him, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's too bad because Dirtfish is really the number one 
place that people go, or at least the rest of the world goes for the most part, uh, in regards to rallying coverage. And having any stories from American rallying on that feed brings a pretty big audience and draws attention to what we do over here. And uh, there's value in that. What Dirtfish plans are for ARA coverage going forward, uh, I'm not sure. But I hope it doesn't just end with Mason's exit. And I guess that's what I wanted to say. You know, just, I'm sorry to see him go. It was really great watching him progress and, and get more into it. And sorry to, sorry to have him gone, but hopefully he sticks around the rally community and finds, finds some place here because I think he's got some talent. And finally, before we get started with our chat with Roberto, I'd like to do a call out to anyone in the rallying community that plays musical instrument. As I stated before, we're doing a, a, working on a Al Dante's Jr. Uh, memorial episode, and our sound guy Derek, who's got quite the musical background himself, um, you probably heard some of his instrumental stuff in the background. Well, he actually wrote a song in honor of all our departed Rally family, and the goal is to have this fully recorded, mixed for an up for the upcoming episode, and later have it available for everyone on various streaming and download sites. Uh, Derek would love to have as many musicians from the rally community be a part of this. And even if it's just a small bit, uh, he'll find a way to use it in the mix. Uh, he'll get the chord chart and two track rough mix for you to record over. Uh, that's kind of language I don't know as well, but <laughs> you'll need to have the capability to record your own parts. And if there's multiple parts, they'll have to be done in separate files so we can mix it in. If you are interested, in being a part of this, make sure that you do reach out to Derek and uh, we would love to have this memorial piece that he's uh, creating have just as much community involvement as possible. So make sure that you email Derek at johnson.derekm, and that's D-E-R-E-K-M, at gmail.com. Again, it's johnson.derekm at gmail.com. Thank you, and now here's Roberto right after this word from our supporters. Go five right short over crest into second small crest 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rian Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. And as we said in our intro, we have with us plenty of guests for the Lakespear Performance Rally Review. And with us right now is limited two-wheel drive cup driver, Roberto Iglesias. Roberto, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. I cannot believe... I've not officially had you on this Rallycast before, man. I know. Long-time listener, first-time caller. So excited <laughs> to finally be here. Well, I do have to open the, the Rallycast properly. And, of course, to do that, that requires the opening of a can or bottle or something, right? Awesome. And for me, I have an LSPR lager. Um, I was sent home with a six-pack. So thank you to my friends up there at the Lake Superior Performance Rally. And this is from, of course, Austin Brothers uh, Beer Company up there. So that is awesome that I have Rally Beer to talk about Rally. 
What do you got? That is awesome. Yeah, I wish I had an Austin Brothers one. I missed the chance of getting them while I was out at SPR. Uh, so I'm not nearly as cool as you, and it doesn't make a cool sound. But uh, I've been hooked on uh, vermouth uh, ever since I came from uh, Spain about a few months ago. And so I'm drinking red vermouth Isaguirre. Interesting. Yeah, fascinating. I, never, I don't think I've ever had a drink like that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the only vermouth I've had is like you know just a little bit that you tend to have like you know with a with a martini or something. And yeah, no, it's yeah. pretty good. Fortified wine, uh, you know, it tastes pretty good. So very summery drink, although the weather. I was going to say, I was still hanging on to my summer drink. <laughs> Well, because it is your first time on the rally cast, you know, I've got to get a little bit of background. I mean, I know it a little bit, but for those that have been under a rock and, and haven't heard you on a on a live stream or something like that, Roberto, tell us how you got started started rallying, man. Uh, well, uh, for those that may notice, uh, I sound a little weird and I have weird accent. I am not originally from the U.S. I'm from Costa Rica. Um, and so back home in Costa Rica, I started uh, I had a cousin that was a rally co-driver. He co-drove in a GC Impreza uh, Turbo, and uh, he always used to talk about it, and he was you know, he was kind of the cool cousin that I always looked up to, and he always told me to come to rallies, and finally, back in 2003, I listened, and I went to my first rally, the second, uh, the second one of the championship of that year. I saw the first Three or four cars go by. It was like I'll remember. It was an STI, a couple of Evo uh, 6.5s, and a seven. And I said, "This is it. I'm hooked. This is my sport." A year later, I did my first. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What What did you do? Did you spectate that first time, or were you involved in it in some way, or what? Yeah, that first time I was just uh, spectating. I and from that first race, I I honestly was hooked. I did not miss a race in the season. Uh, after that, uh, it was easier in Costa Rica. You could just drive to all the races. I was going to say, it's not the largest country in the world uh, <laughs> by any means. No. <laughs> but but sounds like there's a pretty strong rallying culture there. Uh, yeah, it, it, it there is. Uh, it, it has, uh, you know, they face some challenges, but it is a pretty strong rallying culture. FIA classes based. And at the time, we were getting uh, pretty good grids. So we had four classes, N1 through N4, and, you know, probably 10-ish or so people in each class. So it was pretty good. Um, and I just got hooked, went to every race, started spectating, got hooked up with a group of just fans. And so we would go to all the races as fans and then, you know, jumped on a car with one of those fans uh, as a co-driver. And the next year in 2004, did a couple of races. And by the time we hit 2006, I started doing the whole season and did it ever since I moved to the U.S. in 2012. Wow. You must have been pretty young back then. Uh, I was. <laughs> well, I look younger than I am, Mike. Uh, not as big yeah, I was gonna, Well, I know you, you already look pretty young, but, I mean, even then, back there in, then in 2003 and 2004, I mean. Yeah, I was in my early 20s for sure. Teens, I think late teens, early 20s, and, uh, uh, you know, just got hooked. Uh, yeah, I did, when I, you know, like now working with uh, KJ a lot, uh, I always tell him he reminds me of myself back then, uh, you know, just full on dedicated, like just 
going hard at rally and uh, uh of course we didn't have the chances of that that we have you have here in the us of racing so much and uh, and the exposure but it was yeah it, it was my life uh, and and i and i did it pretty heavily probably did 30-ish so rallies as a co-driver back then and everything from a 1000cc Daihatsu Zirion that was my first rally car I ever co-drove in to Renault Clio Sports uh, two-liter ones that I, I spend cool. most of my time in so yeah those Clios those things handle pretty well Oh, they're awesome. I'd love to race one. Uh, I actually met somebody that uh, is building one for the Canadian uh, series at one of the um, rally sprints here in Dirtfish this summer. And, you know, I, I loved it. As soon as I saw it, I was it brought, brought back all the memories. <laughs> It's like coming back yeah. home, yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. So I've been in the States since 2012 and uh, been, been involved in rallying since, but you haven't been doing the national championship so much since uh, through then. That's kind of a newer yeah, thing, Yeah, right? well, you know, when I came, there was a, I took a bit of a hiatus from rally for, you know, seven, eight years there. Uh, I came to the U.S. and just settling new country, all of that. I went to a couple of races. Actually, the first year was here, went down to... Uh, Hood River Rally, and it was mm-hmm. the first rally I, I spectated in the U.S. I actually volunteered uh, because I realized that you couldn't spectate. Good man. Yeah, I, that you couldn't spectate like I was used to of just driving the stage and finding a nice spot. So I learned about volunteering, uh, and I'm I I volunteered. I uh, did that a couple of times for Oregon rallies, and then you know I I kind of drop off. Work life got busy and didn't do anything. And the story, which you know, I have three frames uh, printed in my office to always remind me, was I went to Germany and uh, drove uh, on the Nurburgring uh, uh, Fiesta ST. Uh, interestingly enough, because uh, I was going to be just around there, and I, I've always been fascinated with that track. Oh yeah. And once I drove. Two laps, and that's the full Nür- Nurburgring. Yes, you did, the North right? Two yes. massive laps. How many? How many miles is it's, that damn thing? I mean, it's yeah, it's nineteen thing. kilometers. Uh, so just the there North Shelf yeah. is is nineteen kilometers, which is pretty fast. Even going as slow as I was going, because they basically scare you to death to say it's going to be a ton of money if you wreck. Uh, it was, you know, I, you still do a lap in like nine minutes, as slow as you can drive. <laughs> nine minutes. Um, yeah. So, so you're yeah. you're basically full on the gas a lot of the time and so it did that and i finished the two laps and i said oh my gosh i miss racing i gotta get back in so literally came straight back and started to look into how to build a car and you know got you know found the odd guys who who built uh, our fiesta st so back into doing some rallying in the in the u.s but now in the other seat uh back in 2020 so and last this year has was my first full year in the in the national series indeed it ended up being quite the tough championship i mean this uh limited two-wheel drive cup we we had some serious contenders in oh absolutely i i love the limited two-wheel drive class i i think it's the it's the best class everybody should start at it it really is is a great class to start with and it was very tough this year yes we had a you know i did some national races last year and some regional ones and i and i won the cup last year but I, but we didn't have nearly as much of the competition, uh, and a lot of the guys had trouble. And so this year, 
we had Alex, we had Paul, uh, Nick Allen was mm-hmm. there, Santiago Iglesias went national as he saw us all having fun. Uh, you know, there there was just so many guys uh, and gals, you know, going for it that that it was fun. Tracy was there. Uh, yeah, it was it was mm-hmm. a great great fun, very tight competition. All of us taking kind of a very different route on how we were gonna. Uh, kind of collect all the points, but overall, it's it's an awesome class. I I love it. Hope hope more more of the regional guys, like a Tim Wigber, Chris Nonak, all of those guys start to maybe join us on national. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And like I said, I, I, it's been one of the most fun classes I think to follow for the whole season. And uh, for those that haven't been paying attention, let, let me tell you, you guys, yeah, you guys been going hammer and tongs, and you know, there's been you know mechanical stuff that's happened. There's been offs. There's been a car that didn't quite make it to an event and you had to change explain that story because like <laughs> you had a press on regardless that wasn't typical. yeah that was uh that was quite a bit uh yeah unfortunately so we we were doing pretty well in the championship just one dnf and had won the last three events coming into the mid of the season and after alex ramos had some challenges and others uh you know had a struggle to make some points we saw an opportunity of doing stpr we we'd never had planned to do a stpr but we saw an opportunity of doing it and and kind of taking a lead on the points if we could do well in there and so we tried to go to pennsylvania and and squeeze this this one additional race in and unfortunately there were some challenges with the transport and by the last day of recce was clear that by the time the guys were able to leave colorado with the cars they were not gonna make it in time like it was just uh oh physically my. not possible and and you're on you you finished with recce by the time you figured uh, we this had out? finished all yeah we had actually finished recce of all the stages <laughs> uh we just had to kind of clean up the notes and maybe go do a couple uh, third passes on some and we we woke up to those news uh, the day before the race, saying like you know, literally there was just more, more driving hours in than than enough time to to make to the race. So we said, you know, we kind of called the guys and said they they had been working very hard to get the cars ready. Yeah. So we said, hey, don't no no reason to risk uh, safety. Turn back home, go rest. You know, we will skip the race. And then, you know, we heard, you know, through actually Julian started to look into options because he's part of our team. And so he also did not have a car arrive. He found some options of local cars to rent people that had not made it to the race or that were local. And so he connected us with uh, Charlie Tamales and mm-hmm. he had his Porsche 944 ready to go. He was going to enter the race, but he entered too late. And so post registration closed. So the car was mostly race ready, needed a basically a battery and starter, and he was ready to go. So how did that one turn out for you? Oh, that was very scary. Because <laughs> you've been doing front wheel drive all yes. this time. And the reason I And now you get into a Porsche 944. Yeah, the reason I built a front wheel drive car is all my rallying experience has always been in front wheel drive cars. So I drive I've not yet been to like uh, you know d- done a lot of the the schools and all of that. I've done some some private uh, stuff at, at Dirfish, but just very little. And I've never really experienced rear wheel drive, and so I've always just driven front wheel drive. I know how that works, or is supposed to feel. And I took the f- rear wheel drive on the street feels kind of similar, but the moment you get into gravel, 
it is just completely opposite. And so literally the first time I touched gravel on that car was in the transit to the first stage, the last <laughs> probably mile of the transit, which was gravel. And so I was trying to figure out how to drive a rear-wheel drive car in that mile. And so, wow. yeah, I was terribly slow first pass in for the first stage. We were like almost dead last because I literally was trying just to, yeah, yeah just, just learn. learn, just figure out how do I even make this thing go around corners. And and so that, that was our, that, that was our start. But then by, by the second stage we did, the second one got SOS, so canceled. And then by the, by the third stage, I started to get a little bit of the hang of it and started pushing, got one herping in, in there with that actually like power, you know, power slide through it and came around. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's starting to make a little more sense. And then, uh, the car stopped working. Oh. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> but you gave it a good effort. That's definitely, you know, fun to be able to switch, you know, between that, you know, what you've been used to and, and try something else, though. Uh, definitely. And I was telling, I was talking to Hooper because I told him I may become a customer of his and, and rent a, uh, uh, one of the Lexus or something because it gave me... There we go. It gave me enough of... Um, uh, you know, experience to be intrigued about what it must be like to do a rally in rear wheel mm -hmm. drive. So now, now I'm intrigued. At least it piqued my interest. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Well, we're supposed to be talking about LSPR, so let's kind of switch gears to that. Um, now, this was your second time doing the Lake Superior Performance Rally. That, that is right? correct. Yeah, I did it last year for the first time. So going into it, you knew you had an idea where the championship points were and what you needed to do. Then you got Santiago showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I, not really a home event. Well, pretty yeah, close to a home event. Yeah, it's a home event, I think. I mean, he's done it yeah. a zillion times. <laughs> you know, and he's got his BRZ, which is rear-wheel drive, versus your car that you're familiar with. The weather starts coming in. We start seeing that, it's, you know, at, at Park Expose, it, it's rain mixed with snow to start with. What are you thinking going into this? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because going into the rally, right, the main thought was obviously the three championship containers were us. Paul Dickinson was a teammate of ours and, you know, very close friend and, mm -hmm. uh, of course, has half the horsepower rehab. And so I knew we had an advantage on the very fast roads against Paul. And so I know if we could keep our pace up, keep any mechanical gremlins away, we would have the, the right pace to, to beat him there. But he was two points ahead of us. So we needed to beat him and have somebody in the middle of us to just tie in points. Then Alex Ramos, he had a big off a couple of races before it. And so he couldn't get his car there. So going in, he was in a borrowed car. I think probably, you know, I don't know how it compares to his normal RSX, but I knew he wasn't going to be able to be at pace with his normal, uh, you know, pace just on a, you know, rented car trying to finish. He, he didn't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I said, OK, we have pace advantage against both of them. And we've been able to beat him on pace before during the season. But rallies rally and LSPR is the toughest, meanest, oldest one in circuit. So nothing's written until we finish. But we calculated. Hey, by the way, that's written right here on the camp. Just, just going to say. Yes. <laughs> and it lives up to its reputation for sure. It does. It um, does. <laughs> and so we knew going into it. And then obviously Santiago was coming in to kind of like play because he knew all the fun was going to be in limited two national. And, and that, that actually technically helped us because if we could beat Santiago, then it was kind of more points we could put between us and Paul and, uh, and Alex. Mm -hmm. And then Nick Allen was also coming in, which Nick had, we've been able to be faster than Nick earlier in the year, but we had not raced 
in our car, been in our car since uh, Sofer in June, and Nick had done four races since. Right. Uh, so he had the most seat time and kind of rhythm going into it. So we knew he was going to be To be, be fair, first. he did have a time period where he had a broken arm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. So he had to skip OTR, uh, mountain biking accident, as happens in rallies tend to also always be mountain bikers, it seems. <laughs> yeah. This is not an uncommon occurrence. <laughs> but yeah, so he actually was out for a bit for that but then like you said yeah he was able to compete in some events uh, leading up to this but yeah the, the amount of issues that happened to people yeah. leading up to this is is, is almost it, common it was it was a crazy season if you think about all the things happening to it and so yeah we knew nick was gonna go in very fast and just send it and so we went in into we started to see the weather was gonna snow uh we started to see you know how it was gonna be and and we we came into it and we knew you know during recce we we try to make very good notes knowing that we needed to make sure we did not have an off. Uh, we took good care of the car. We made sure that we knew where all the tricky spots were, where all the sleepy spots were. And we knew we didn't have to win the rally to win the championship. And so we did go in it in a little bit of a more conservative mindset of we were not going for the L2 win. We were going for the championship win. We wanted to finish the rally. That gave us a chance, right? And so we were going to go have fun and win the championship was our our, our, our kind of mindset. You know, so th- that was that was kind of it coming in and what we had, you know, b- before, obviously, during, during wrecking. Then, of course, y- you start seeing Nick Allen that I, I, I don't know where he found that pace because he blitzed everybody. He was he was so fast out there in conditions that shouldn't have been that fast and really started taking a, a pretty big lead. But the real battle at that point, though, seemed like you and Santiago Iglesias. The battle of the Iglesias is what we wanted to see. And boy, it it came out. You're right. Like uh, as we got started and, and obviously, you know, both Nick had not raced with Allison, new co-driver. Same for me with Price, uh, you know, and, and we had a, you know, a first first start that I knew he was going to be fast. He had he had the right tire choice. I think his pace came from a few places. He's been gaining speed throughout the season. Uh, he's a very fast driver. I've seen kind of the, even throughout the season when we've been able to be faster than him, I've seen that he has the speed and he has the skill to be able to go faster when he needs to turn it on. And so I knew he eventually he was going to kind of catch us and solve some of the uh, you know mechanical issues and and others. So he was you're right, he was like just off the get-go, off the blocks, he was gone. And he had, I think he had the right tires for the very muddy conditions, and he just sent it, and gel, I think he, he probably gelled well with Allison and was able to just go very, very fast. We we took a fast approach. We knew which which stages we felt we could push on, which was mostly out of the first, the, the loop on the first day was the first stage, uh, where there was good grip and predictability. Anything that was slippy or very unpredictable, we were being very cautious. And you're right, like, gotcha. it's interesting, like, you know, Santiago took a very different approach than, than we did, uh, you know, and he was... He was faster in ones that we were slower, and then we were faster than where he was slower. But overall, you know, we 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 were pretty close through the first day, and I would I I kept kind of uh, you know going back to I wanted to be fast, but I did not want to be off uh, because we saw the carnage on day one where mm-hmm. Ken Block went off. We you know got very very close to that ditch as we were trying to to. Uh, make that turn where was that a, that corner that specific corner as sketchy as as they've been uh, saying yeah you know it was it was uh what i think it really was obviously not 
Ken's just looked, you know, he was, you know, way, you know, way faster than we were. But by the time we made it there, and especially being at night where you can't see the level of grip as much, it did look muddier and it had something that it just cost you to understeer and pulled you out we got pretty close to the edge of the of the road and we saw some tire marks that were <laughs> way past that i think looking at some of the onboards that may have been travis because i i saw they got pretty close to that yeah and wasn't there a crest just before that to kind of lighten the car too which would also make trying to correct yeah a bit i harder? think that that likely had to do with how tricky that corner was but in general it was just very slippy conditions you know not not too far from there, you know, we, we saw like Leah, where, where Leah was off, uh, Leah Block too, like that, that we almost joined her, uh, too, right? Like just the car just kept, wow. we kept turning and the car turned, but it just kept understeering, understeering towards the outside of the corner. And just the mud was, was very unpredictable. Uh, so yeah, all over the place, really, we saw KJ and Dave off. And so all of these, we kept thinking, okay, we got to push smart. And so throughout the rally, I was kind of with this mentality of, like send it like 80%, right? Like 80%, mm-hmm. like go fast, but but don't take any unnecessary risks. And so th- that was the logic. And, and we did, you know, well at that, I think, you know, uh, and being able to keep there by the end of the first day, we were we were sitting where we wanted to be, which was second with, uh, you know, Nick Allen was gone, but, you know, sitting second yeah. ahead of Santiago, ahead of Alex and ahead of, of Paul. Right now, there was a concern about uh, the new stages. I would start day two that there were roads that hadn't been used in like a decade over there uh, on recce. It was talked about how rough they'd be, although I've been hearing that, you know, once you got up to speed and using an actual rally car. They weren't quite as bad. How were, how were those new stages for you? You know, we were very uh, afraid of them during recce, especially because we reccied them the first day of recce, not the second one, when it was raining a lot more. And especially trouble the last bit, we honestly were concerned about, like, if our car was going to make transit. Like, trouble wasn't bad. We felt like, you know, if, if it was going to, you know, if it was going to be that bad, my, my kind of thought or suggestion was, like, you could just shorten it, kind of remove the last bit that was all mud and and, and could be an issue for two-wheel drives to pass. Because literally in, in recce, we saw even four-wheel drives car that were lo- too low, kind of struggling to get out of the mud there. Wildcat was just... It was it was fine. It was just a lot of rock and a, and a lot of big embedded rocks, and so it was going to be a stage that a badly paced tire could you know cause some damage. Um, so we knew out of the two, I would say trouble. We kind of thought about being careful on the mud and just the unpredictability of the grip, but you know we knew that we could be okay through it wildcat we did plan to go much easier on not not because with the rally car to your point once you're going on the rally car a lot of these rocks disappear and it becomes less rough than you think but we knew that if you're pushing 100 percent 10 tenths in there it was easy to put a wheel wrong and then catch the wrong way that mm-hmm. that rock and then a puncture means you're minutes behind right and so we yep. we knew it wasn't worth doing that and that to to give us a shot at winning the championship we had to finish and so that's what we were wanting to do so you know obviously you get into the i guess it'd be after that 
second loop and you start heading towards uh, Mount Marquette and Marquette Mountain, not to be confusing or anything. Yeah. <laughs> that last bit, did, did you knew where, were you paying attention to where you sat in the championship as you're coming into that last couple of stages? Oh, yeah, short? I look at a standings after every stage. I don't know how some guys say really? they don't. Like, you're a numbers oh, hog, yeah. huh? You're just like, yeah, oh, the, man, I got I to gotta know I, where I'm, I'm at. I'm competitive, and also, um, you know, it's the engineer in me comes out, and I kind of want to know where I, at, where I am, and I do change by driving on how aggressive I am or not. Like, can I take more risk? Should I not take more risk? Um, which actually probably bit me a little bit here because finishing day one, we looked to be a minute ahead of Santiago because they had a, a one, I didn't notice that it was due to a one minute penalty, but I knew we were like uh. a minute ahead of him, a minute and change. And then we had like several minutes to Alex, several minutes to Paul. And so I said, all right, even if, Alex or Santiago don't finish, there's another one that needs to finish. And so it's okay as long as I can keep him behind us. So we went into the first loop of Saturday and I love Herman and Mengi. Like those should be run. Oh, those. Yeah. Herman is probably from the ones I got to recce back in 2019. My first, this is only my second time being there. And I actually got to go recce that year. Uh, didn't get to this year, but man, Herman's probably my favorite stage of the ones I got uh, to try. Herman's a blast. And Mengi is even more fun when you can go more than recce speed because all those like nice sweeping corners become linked corners. corners yeah. And so you're just sliding to one side, throwing the, the weight to the other side. And it just, it's a blast. Oh. And so I love those. I, and so going into those, I said, okay, today I'm going to go have fun the first two put a little bit of time ahead of us uh you know just be safe you know and then take it easier on the other two that could be car wreckers or potential for offs and then we get to the first stage of saturday and herman and it starts snowing hard and you know i try to send it a little bit and then in like the first or second turn of herman literally i could feel the car just understeering and not rotating because of the, you know, kind of fresh snow and kind of icy conditions. And so I'm like, okay, got to back it up a little bit <laughs> because it's not <laughs> worth to go off. And so the first loop I probably did at about kind of 70, 80%, just kind of being very safe. And by the time we, we did Herman and Mengi and we, we were on our way to Wildcat, which was a very long transit. So two of the special stages in, we saw that Santiago was only seven seconds behind us. Do you think that the rear wheel drive had an advantage in that? Because, I mean, he could definitely, you know, you said you're having understeer. I mean, he can obviously steering from the rear kind of thing, you know, maybe actually had a little bit of a help through some of that. I, it could be, although Nick was still able to be pretty fast, That's true. But, but you're right. Like the first four, I think in the, in the morning, like not that I'm no, trying to push right, in like, rear wheel drive car or anything, but yeah, I, I see what you're doing. You want me to drive rear wheel drive? Yeah. Um, no, I, I do think, you know, that I've heard from, I've never driven rear wheel drive well, but I think if you're in equal conditions, if you're equally good at both of them, there's the theory, of rear wheel drive could be faster on on those kind of conditions because you you know uh, you can make the car turn and you have each wheel having one thing to do not two but I don't know at the same time definitely Walcott in trouble I imagine this was my thought was that we would have mm -hmm. a bit of an advantage because they were tighter and twistier and I felt that's where typically front wheel drive has a little bit of an advantage. Right, right. But the reality is we just didn't send it. Well, and you're a smaller chassis yes, too. Yes, we're, we're shorter, yeah. Shorter wheel the reality is we didn't send it very hard. We were careful. And when we realized going into Wildcat, we were only seven seconds. We were like, how did he take a minute off of us? And then we realized, well, he didn't. 
he got a minute penalty removed. So now we had, with four stages and the two super specials to go, we kind of had a choice to make. Send it hard on a car wrecker stage and a potentially tricky one where the mud had solidified a little bit, but it was still kind of sneaky, slippery, I would say. And we, you know, we made the choice of saying, hey, you know what? We, we'd rather not go I'd rather not go push too hard and not finish. And I'd rather, you know, save the car. If I would have, like, gave it all 10 tens, won a stage, and then wrecked the car completely or end up on a tree and lost the championship anyway, I I would have not enjoyed that. (laughs) And it would have been more expensive. Everything comes out of my pocket. And so so we made the choice of, okay, he may overtake us. Santiago may overtake us. That's okay. We're still, if we beat Alex and Paul in the order we were, we all tie in points and we win the tiebreaker because you drop a hundred acre wood and so and that's the one we had zero points in so we said okay we can do that let let's preserve the car get to the finish and so we we probably pushed backed off a little bit more than we should have and while get in trouble and sure enough you know uh santiago uh passed us in in those and and the second running you know as well can't remember how exactly we ended up but you know essentially he was he was still faster than us and ended up you know a little bit ahead so going into the mountains you know the mount marquette and market mountain we do like at that point it's like a, a mile and a half or two miles left of competitive stage for us it was just get to the finish like there was no way we were gonna either try to go make up any time there it was not worth it like it, super specials are you know, very likely to go <laughs> wrong and very little can go right when you push too hard, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, as I always say, right? You'll rarely win a rally on a super special, but you can always lose it, right? And Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. We know how or, that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it at Ojibwe last year where luckily it was after the finish and there was no control left, but I essentially buried my car into mud after crossing the finish line of the last super special and so yeah and had a bunch of repair work to do so yeah it's it's not worth it um and so we said hey we just need everybody to finish dice roll number two <laughs> yeah right we were kind of rolled, rolled you hope the you dice had all the right was... saving throws um <laughs> <laughs> The fun, the fun part is I was texting with Julian Sabo all this time during the race. It was a long transit, and so we got there and we had time to kill. And then I see his texts, and he's telling me like, "Geez, you're cutting it really close. Like you're gonna do a three-way tie." And I'm like, "Hey, you know, just I'm trying to get to the finish. You know, this is a smart thing. <laughs> I'll win but... on the count back. I'll win on the count back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. I, I'll, I'll win on. I'll win on the. You know, I, I still wanted to make sure I finished and had fun. Um, it was also very important. You know, obviously the 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 rally had a, a different note yeah. with Al Spazin and we had, you know, Bryce uh, was amazing at being able to e- even race at all. And he was, uh, you know, with me and he was a very close friend of Al. And so for, yes. you know, we both talked about it that we really wanted to finish. It was not only for all, but it was also Bryce's 50th rally. Was it? And so, yeah. And so he's it, a 50 which, already. Dang, he gets around. Yeah, so <laughs> he does get around. Um, <laughs> we love Bryce. 50, 50, yeah, and it was kind of very fitting. His 50th rally, Al's number was 50. Yeah. And he said, we got to get to the end. And so, I, I, you know, I, I figured like, hey, we just got to get to the finish. So we, we, we were careful on the last loop, got to the end. The interesting thing, the funny thing is we crossed the finish line and we said, all right, we did it. Now we were, we were celebrating. We said, now we just got to wait for those two guys to finish. Alex and, and Paul, they were they were – 
quite a bit behind us in the running yeah. order. So by the time we finished the second stage, they had not started Mount Marquette yet. Yep. And we got to the Parc Ferme. And actually, Jeremy from ARA brings over the limited two uh, limited two uh, limited two cup uh, driver award to us to the car and puts it on the car and I said no 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 <laughs> yeah don't yet no no yet I said like don't and Mason was gonna in, uh, from Dirtfish was gonna interview me and I'm like no 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 let's not jinx it like you know yeah that's where I was like because I, I didn't know where it was um, yeah. yet too after the finish I'm like I don't know I don't think we know where that this is yet right now yeah it so was we're very just kind of hanging around trying to figure it out and uh, and then Santiago tells me that dude I spoiled it <laughs> I did what yeah. I came to do I spoiled it <laughs> yeah no you know at the end it, even if uh, yeah even if uh, he you know if he would have run regional instead of national it would have not made a difference if like the only thing is I could have you know beat him and and really it would have been different but uh, him beating me really didn't change it it you know if he would have not ran we would have just had one less car and so at the end of the day it was really you know I, I needed to put one or two cars between car, me and yeah. Paul and with right? Alex and, out of it that basically was the thing yeah. wasn't it exactly so second to last stage Alex goes to launch blows his diff and gets you know doesn't launch and so I'm literally sitting in Park Ferme looking at Rally Safe and I just see his number like stuck in the start of Mount Marquette and I see other cars start and I'm like yeah this guy DNF'd <laughs> and oh, that's it man. and it's right Paul, there I mean, literally he is down the road probably about a mile he is, from where you're sitting yeah he's a mile from where we're sitting mile and a half then Paul rolls in and I go congratulate Paul I bring so now that Jeremy had left the award I bring it over to Paul and I'm like hey Paul <laughs> you're the one giving him the you, award you won this and uh, you know and and he's like wait what why and I'm like where's where's Alex and he's like he DNF'd and I'm like there you go and so I mean, it was it was it was the weirdest way to finish. Yeah. But also, I was so excited for Paul. Yeah. Because uh, he's been progressing a ton this year. Yes. He's. Yeah, he's been. You know, he was. He he has half the horsepower that me, Nick, or Santiago have. Right. With a hundred horsepower, he was. He put himself in that position by being consistent, getting faster, finishing. And so, you know, I was so happy for him and we're teammates. And so I was happy to kind of hand him over. And he, I know he doesn't care about the championship. He's like, you know, I don't care. I feel bad that I go. And I'm like, no, don't feel bad. This is awesome. Yeah. And I'm glad that and, you. And actually, it was, you know, yeah. it, it was Paul was telling me, um, and, and unfortunately didn't make it the live stream thing with the, uh, with our interview with him, but. Yeah, he was telling me about how it, it, it wasn't his race to win. It was for your guys's, you know, rally to lose mm -hmm. um, in going for the championship. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to win this one. I'm not the fastest guy there. But we started talking about kind of the tortoise versus the hare kind of thing. And, and the thing is, we know consistency is king in rallying. It always has been. It always will be. You know, you look at the calculated way that Richard Burns won his championship. It was definitely done you know, with that thought process of, you know, you don't have to win everything. And yeah. Paul totally earned this because it, this also wasn't one of those where you have the guy with a bunch of money that pays to go to all the events and that makes you win. He was at six national championship events. You were at six national championship events. Alex was, this, you know, 
it, it wasn't like he was at more events. No, it it was the same. It was it was a true national. It was well earned. Yeah, it was a true national championship. That's yeah. why, like, that's why I told him, and he, you know, I I told him like it's well deserved points make championship. They do, and you know, he went and raced no drift, never driven in snow, and like had a heck of a time, right? And like enjoyed it, and got a couple of great points. Then on Hanarika Wood where I was on the lead and DNF because I went, you know, went on the gas a little too early going over water and snapped my axles. Like he was right there, right behind me to, to collect on a bunch of points. Right. And so uh, he and I talked about it and you're right. It's, it was a bit of a, there was no way on those straights where we're like one of the straights, at night, I think we were like at or or one of the loops we were doing. I think our max speed was like 103 or something like that. And he, I don't think he can get to 90. Wow! Literally, the car will not do more than like <laughs> foot to the something. floor. It's like nope, yeah. nothing else. Oh yeah, those <laughs> long straights that are like 600 straight. Like he's just pegged and he can't even get to 90. And so you know, of course, we had a big advantage going into it. But you're right, like. Nick did a bunch of races, you know, I did a bunch of races, Alex did, Paul did, but it was down to, you know, who consistently finished and was able to be in there and, and he put himself in that position. And, you know, I, I think it mad kudos to Paul because it, yeah, it, it is, you're right championship and no championship comes easy no every championship should be celebrated and i think paul has been doing this for longer than me and has been learning and kind of getting faster and getting more confident and i'm and i'm super happy that that he got it you know if someone was gonna beat me like paul's the nicest guy out there he's so freaking nice and uh if, if those of you that you know I haven't met him uh, in like a park expose or something like that. Go go find Paul. He is one of the nicest people you'll find in in the service park, and he's he's just a great guy, great driver, and he's out there to have fun. Yeah, and he loves the community of people, and uh, and I'm still trying to get him to come on this darn podcast, but he's <laughs> a little intimidated. Well, I think he's a you know we we've started a rumor that you know he's like CIA or something like that, and that's <laughs> why he's man, like. Huh? He, yeah, he's a, he keeps a low profile, and so it may be true, it may be not true. Yeah, like, who nobody, knows? No, no one of us knows, but, you know, yeah. He's he does, a, I think I did see him, like, come out of, like, this blacked-out SUV before he got his <laughs> rally car. I'm, 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 it could be a thing. I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. We started joking <laughs> about it because he, during, like, at one point he came in very tanned, and we were like, hmm, uh, where have you been? He's, like, just home. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know. That sounds like you were in secret missions. But anyway, yeah, super glad. And you know what? What I think is that the uh, one of the great things that also happened this year on that close competition was we. I do feel the level of L2 got elevated. It certainly did, without a doubt. Yeah, when we look at the speed factors that many of the stages, us, and not just me, Nick, yes. Santiago, like the speed factors that we were running. I don't remember other than maybe, you know, Andre Durazio, who was, you know, freakishly fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, L2 being at that, that level of speed factor and consistent. We need Andre back. Now that you guys yes. are getting faster. <laughs> I know. Come back. We, we need, need that kid back. We need to put him though on a, like a hundred horsepower car. Like yeah, just well, to he'll give be us a Paul, handicap. We'll get Paul a new car yes. and then he can drive Paul's car. Yeah. Yes. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 
No, but I, I'm excited. I, I hope this really, you know, it really has elevated L2. Like, it's crazy when you think about, like, many of us in L2 getting seated in a start order above the middle of the field. Like, yeah, it's just it's nuts to imagine that, you know, when, when you have two wheels driven and your engine is stock, your, your, your power stock. Yes, we're putting out a couple hundred horsepower close to it, <clears throat> but it's it's still pretty good. And so I'm... I, I like where the class is at. I, I hope more people join now the national, you know, seeing that, that there's there's some pretty good competition to be had. If we can have enough consistency in there, and, and uh, I'll make sure at least next time at Oregon Trail that uh, I make sure there's a separate podium for you guys. I, I, I You guys get stiffed on that on the national side, and I hate that, but there's only so much time they give me to do podiums, and it's like, ugh. And I know you wanted to do that so bad because you, I know you guys are in a cup that's separate from, you know, when they do two-wheel drive trophies, it's two-wheel drive combined yes. now. And, and the, the reason for it, and I, and I totally get it with ARA, is that in the national side of things, there traditionally hasn't been as many people paying that higher entry fee that national is to have a consistent number of people in L2 as well as Open 2 and whatnot. So... It felt like participation trophies in some cases, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you don't want that. And and even the competitors don't want that. It's like, hey, I'm standing here. I'm the only one. You know, they don't, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I wasn't around for it, but I've heard the, the, the you know, kind of the anecdotes of, you know, uh, National Limited 2 finishing well below, like, all the, you know, regional, uh, like, you know, for the fifth behind the regionals. And then still it's like, but he was the only national. And so like, Hey, you know, you win, you yeah. win national too. So, so I, I get that. I, I am hopeful though, that, you know, we, I had talked about it with ARA and with Preston and we had talked about the fact of what, what do we need to make that back into a class? And, and I think participation was a big thing. And this yeah. year, I think we had in total probably, you know, I don't know, more than 13, 14, uh, you know, I think first in Hunter Acre Wood had 12 national L2s. Uh, wow. And then we had, or something like that, or 10. And then we had, you know, every race we, most of the races we had at least four or five at least. And so when you think about it, like we had more national L2s participate in every race than in the RC2 class, the R5s. Yeah. And so, and that's a class. And so I think I'm hopeful that it will come back as its own class next year. Yeah, yeah. And it will stop being a cup because we showed that participation, right? You did. Even though I know some of the guys are planning to build now an open two car. and That, that's, and, that was going to be my next thing. What's your it. plans for next year now? Are, are you Because you like the competition class, you can stay in that? Or you looking to maybe upgrade? Yeah, you know, uh, when I... When I built the car, you know, I actually didn't want to build an ST. I wanted to build just the 1.6 naturally aspirated, what Paul has. Mm -hmm. And my goal was I want to drive a car that is, let's say, slow enough that I can drive to where I feel the car is the limiting factor, not my skill. And yep. then, you know, I'll kind of start investing into power and, you know, and, 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 and other upgrades. I actually tell people, and most people don't believe me, but what made me faster from last season to this was we actually detuned the car and made it less powerful, and I was able to be much faster in it. And and so, well, you you get better predictability mm -hmm. with your foot, right? One hundred percent. I mean, I, I think I think a lot of that has to do with learning the throttle modulation, and if you can tune the engine to what you're comfortable with with your foot, that's going to help you a lot. 
that that was it like the car had too much power and would wheel spin too much and uh, we took a bunch of the power out and took the wheel spin out and now all of a sudden i can put that power down and so we worked on that and kind of like took a little bit of the power down and it helped a lot and so you know i for next year i i will my plan is to stay in limited too um and keep the car as is i would love a sequential and kind of throwing that in but i really like the competition in, in l2 and so you know I, i i will probably avoid that and you know to throw a sequential uh, you know and just on that in in these cars and to make it in a reliable way you're probably talking 15 20 grand uh to go right. drop into it and, and then so, you're going up against the people that are in an r2 that show up yeah and they're you know when you're an open two and 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 they've got a purpose-built m sport yeah you know car which is going to be a little bit harder to compete against uh versus what you guys are doing for sure and and you know now you're against Seamus and Hooper and yeah, exactly like, that too. And, and those really, really high powered cars with very, very talented drivers driving them. So, um, you know, I, I, at this point, I think my, my plan still will be, I'll stay in lim national limited two wheel drive. I think that's an, that's an awesome class. I hope some of the, the others stay and more people join national. I'll probably do some different events, a little bit more of the East Coast ones that I haven't done, like Nefer. I, I've not been up there yet. I want to yeah, do a Yeah, you got to do Concord Pond, man. I, oh, jeez. Yes, it's what everybody it, tells it's me. It's the so. roller coaster of fun. Yeah, so I got to do that one. I want to do um, I I want to do Ojibwe again, and so I'll probably do some of the uh, East Coast ones, and then. You know, I, I, honestly, I still don't feel I've gotten to the limit of that car. Yeah. I can drive that car faster with more skill. Do you think that you can, you're going to retune it again to have more power and then just adjust your driving style to maybe meet that power now so you can have more available to you? Uh, we may do a little bit on the off season to do a little bit of testing and see if we can find kind of middle ground where I'm at. Mm -hmm. The high power tune we use, for example, on the tarmac stages of OTR, and it is awesome <laughs> with, <laughs> with all that, but like in, in Oregon in the tarmac where we could put all that power down and actually use it. Use it, yeah. It was amazing, and so we may we may do some some testing to see if we can do something to reduce the wheel spin. But when we get into that higher speed or faster stuff, we can do some some you know uh, higher power. You know, I, I I'm not even on a you know, in a standalone ECU or anything like that. I'm on a stock ECU. Okay. It literally, I'm stock ECU, yeah. stock transmission, stock engine. The only thing is a final drive to make them a little shorter, right? And so I think next year my plan is to try to also, you know, up-level my driving. Mm -hmm. I want to see next year's my big, uh, you know, 4-0 and the big 40th birthday. And so I want to, to celebrate it, I want to, I want to see if I go to do an international event and kind of celebrate it that way, but also use it as a way to kind of go get a little bit of seat time on a little bit of a different kind of more, maybe like an R2 type uh, car. What, what uh, are, are your eyeballing? Like something like going to Barbados or are you talking about something like WRC event and one of those classes then there? Or what are you thinking? Uh, I have a few things that I've been thinking. Of course, you know, uh, budget is always a limiting factor uh, always, yes, of uh, for those of us that, you know, don't have a uh, big name sponsorship. Block or Subaru budget. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we're, you know, 
<laughs> we're trying to see how much we can stretch it. But, you know, I, ideally, I would love a WRC event like, uh, you know, like uh, Finland was one of the ones I was looking into mm-hmm. or Estonia. Um, something, you know, my, my key thing was something that, you know, I'm not going to go race an R5 because I'm definitely not ready for that, at least to, to race it well. And so I'm thinking more of the Rally 4 category. And for the Rally 4 category, by the time you go by, and all VRCs have gone by, the, the RC2s have gone by, the most of the roads are tore up. And so I was yep. looking for a rally where it wouldn't be so car breaker that I felt right. I couldn't go like, push not it. Not Portugal, because it's so sandy, it digs into ruts, and by the time you're farther back, you're surfing on your skid plate. Yes, or You Greece, don't want an event like that. Right, or acropolis where like yeah by the time you go by all oh, the big boulders are out and mm-hmm. you're essentially going to be skid plate surfing like mexico would be a cool one but it also it does it's pretty rough it is and so um i'm considering the other thought i had is you know i've been connecting a lot with the uh rc competition guys uh from yeah. argentina and so actually the next year I want to I want to uh, help them build up. They're building up a team here and and starting to do servicing and and renting uh, of cars. And so uh, I actually am going to be partnering with them and and they're going to be uh, oh, really? supporting us and doing the servicing of my car. Yeah, that's exciting because I mean I remember they're trying to get a foothold in here. They had their um, hold on. They call their cars. Um, it, it's kind of like the proto thing, but it's, it's the an South R4. American version. That's right. R4 is what they call it, right? So yeah, they had the still... Toyota Etios, the R4, and now Etios, they have the, right. the the Audi A1, the Maxi Rally, with the Max Rally. They're Maxi, calling it. Maxi, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Is yeah. Maxi, yeah, the Maxi Rally, which is essentially FIA N5, old N5, a homologation. And so I, I think there, you know, next year we will see that car uh, out on the stages, uh, likely rental. Uh, as a rental, they're they're gonna start to do that. But we're gonna work. So we're I want to support them and I want to kind of help them get That's started. Awesome. And so yeah. so uh, they're gonna be servicing my car and 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 doing all of that. And so I've started talking to them about maybe a rally in Argentina and maybe doing like uh, rally Cordoba, you know, which wouldn't be in a, a WRC this year, but it's essentially the race that would be normally a WRC. Right. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I'm trying to, to, to look at some of those options and, and see what, you know, what, what pans out. Do they, do they have like, do they still for running just kind of, I guess you call it nationally down there. Yes. Um, are they doing stuff like going through El Condor and all that still? I believe they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I wow. believe they like, it's the same route. Uh, Cordoba, it's like going up and down the mountains and like, it's oh. the same kind of twisty stuff. Yeah. They've why, got, why I mean, you not want to do that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, and they have a pretty healthy rental market. Um, and the RC competition guys actually have, you know, uh, some, some, some stuff down there that they could rent me. And so, I am I'm heavily considering that uh, the exchange rate is a little more positive and and it's probably uh, a cheaper proposition uh, and so yeah I'm I'm definitely kind of looking into what what would be uh, something that we can do to to go do get get a little bit of experience against uh, different drivers and different uh, kind of machinery too right yeah that would be a lot of fun wow yeah, yeah. that sounds exciting so a little bit of fun and games. What is your favorite rally event so far and favorite stage? Oh, that is a tough See? one. Can to I, I ask you the tough ones here? Oh, yeah. That's like asking like favorite children or something like that, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, so I, 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 I'll have to say 
my first event was Rally Colorado. Mm -hmm. So it holds a special place in my heart, even though it's not treated me very well. Uh, I've uh, super rallied and DNF'd uh, both times I've been there. But the hardest rallies can be also some of the most, you know, most fun and and, and exciting because they are such a challenge, right? So that that is true. That is true. And so, um, you know, but this year I got to see some some really different ones so I, I you know it's it's it oh mike that's so hard to pick like you know i could probably give you a top three uh, it's okay just, that's I'll i can that. get to you know i i loved let's see there all of them have great stuff but i yeah they're also different i mean our country's huge so you have are. a lot of diversity here man they are right and some you like for different reasons like you know oregon is pretty flat out but the scenery is like which which I don't you know I like you can't a take it in while you're twisty. driving <laughs> yeah I like a little more twisty sages but it has the beautiful scenery right and yeah. then and so just going in and seeing that I tell people like if you're gonna go see a race go there or, or you know or volunteer for it uh, go to OTR like it's just like the scenery you can't get tired of LSTR, and then Dallas Mountain stage you got that steep embankment oh, as yeah. you're flying down it or flying up it. Yeah, so that's that's pretty intimidating. It is. Yeah. And like, you know, then you have like, you know, things like LSPR, which like racing. So I'd say top three, like LSPR has to be in the top three. OK, just because I think I, I like I really like the rally. Uh, it's it's very tough. It's super unpredictable. But the fact of racing through the peak fall colors. Yeah. There's just it combines two things I love, which is natural beauty and racing. And like it just like it doesn't get almost any better than that, you know, and I'd say so. So I really like that. So we got Colorado. We got LSPR. Yes, Colorado, LSPR. And then the third one, gosh, the third one would have to be between Olympus and Sofer. Olympus is my home race, and I love yeah. the twisty and tight nature of it. And and I, I for some reason I, I like that mud there. Like I do well on the slippy stuff there. But I, this year I really liked Sofer. I've never been there, and those stages are amazing. I've heard good things. Yeah. Oh, I've been. That's one I think national championship event I've never been to. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta make your way out there, uh, Mike. That is crazy. But I, I, I have to have to edge it to. Olympus, just because like super well run home event, home event, uh, you know, and I'm just I'm biased towards it. But do you, do you have a specific stage though that you're like, oh, this is the one? Actually, so funny enough, my favorite stage that I've I've, I've said it's it's probably my favorite. It uh, has been Dragon Trail North in Rally, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, that's just it's a combination of fast flowy uh with then it turns into rocks and rutted and hard twisty uh and then six switchbacks going up a mountain or down a mountain depending well i guess north is going up the mountain south would be going down it it is just uh it is an awesome stage so it's got all the characters built into one stage pretty much yeah exactly and so i you know i i love that one uh and so i i'd say that's the first one that comes to mind of course like you know we were just talking about uh something like Maggie Creek, I love. Uh, Wildcat in Olympus is amazing, uh, and so yeah, there's there's a bunch of ones that that come to mind and just that are amazing. The one we did in OTR and Tarmac this year, going up 
a good no hills good no hills yeah. oh that one was you know it was cool just uh you know i i really liked it but anyway so those those uh those are the ones that come to mind but but probably dragon trail has, has a little bit of an edge uh one of the first ones i raced and and i really liked it so who's your uh biggest rally influence in rally i'm guessing it was your cousin uh yeah that is uh that's a really really good question you, i'd say who's, who's your who's your influence now i guess <laughs> yeah you know uh who got me into this definitely my cousin you know he he he, he was who got me into it i'd say my my probably my biggest influence uh, in terms of personal connection was uh, the driver I did the last three years in Costa Rica, um, Alejandro Rigioni. So I raced with him in a Clio N3 and we were, we became, I knew him only casually and became really good friends after racing. And, you know, he's been kind of a mentor when I've had questions of like, Hey, I, you know, here's what I'm feeling in a car. Here's what I'm thinking. Like, what would you do? And like, he, I'll, I'll call him up and or send him a WhatsApp message and he'll give me kind of advice remotely, which is, which is awesome. So I, I think he's been a, a, an amazing influence, but so many people too, in this, in this community, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be racing here in the U.S. if it wasn't for Preston, who yeah, ODD at the time was yeah team manager for ODD and was you know answered probably super annoying hundreds of questions I had about build. It's okay, about he stuff. still answers annoying questions. Now it's his job to answer so, annoying you know. questions. Yeah. <laughs> and I still bug him, but you know, honestly, yeah, he was a. a big reason why i got into this he helped me and he could have easily not given me the time of day but you know ended up building the car with them and these guys you know and 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 matt you know props to ed and cody and ronnie and the team because they built a very solid car that that car has been yeah they they know how to do their solid builds yeah and so and so yeah i think i think so so many people in 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 obviously in in the u.s to to thank as well and uh that, that have been amazing for sure. Right. Last kind of uh, some of the fun questions here. This one I stole from another podcast I listened to, but uh, <laughs> fav- uh, here's three of them. So favorite movie, favorite mu- music, artist or genre. John- bleh, I can almost talk this evening. It, it, it's the beer. <laughs> That's it. LSPR log. It's not that strong, actually. It's just me. Um, but yeah, favorite movie, favorite music, artist or genre when you're like traveling or you're on a long transit on recce or something. Yeah. Favorite or most influential book or author. Oh, Okay uh let's see favorite movie you know i i kind of tends to revolve either tech or cars uh you know it's a probably between i'd say irobot you know uh, it's a it's a good yeah. one i i just like that premise of kind of uh futuristic ai although you know uh like gone in 60 seconds is one of those that oh, i classic. every time does it yeah doesn't I mean, matter it's not how many old, times but it's a modern no. classic, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. I know, and every time it comes on the TV, I gotta watch it. Like I can't stop not looking at it. Uh, you know, music and KJ and and Bryce can attest to this since I now have the intercom that I can connect to my phone and oh, that's put nice. music while we're on transits, which is awesome. And transit headsets, they came in very handy on LSPR and those long transits. I will typically on long transit use to listen to a lot of like Latin music. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of tends to be a, a mix between like reggaeton or like uh, Vallenato, which is kind of more from Colombian or just kind of like upbeat Latin 
Latin music. Although, fun fact... Is, is it like the like salsa dancing kind of style stuff are we talking about here, or what? No, no, it's more like, I, I don't know, if you, I, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, teach you the ways of, of, of kind of Latin pop and, yeah. and kind of re- reggaeton and, and that kind of uh, music, Mike, so you can you can know it. But fun, fun fact about it is I know everybody comes in and says, you know, I've, I've listened to your Posca and every comes in and says everything but country. And the fun fact is being from Costa Rica, the guy that doesn't didn't grow up with English music, if I'm listening music to English, I listen to everything, but more times than not, I do end up listening to country. Interesting. Um, so I'm like <laughs> probably against most yeah. of your uh, the trend of your guests, uh, but but yeah, I listen to a little bit of everything, and and but in transits, it usually ends up being just some upbeat Latin music. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I like upbeat music in general, especially, you know, if you're if you're in a car, you know? Yeah! Um, I think in some of my rally mix stuff, uh, there's some techno in there, because I seem, that seems to really go well with the rally mood for me. Mm. I'm just trying to get, you know, pumped up for it and stuff, but... Yeah, yeah, for me, the pumped up, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mix between kind of getting amped up for it, but also kind of, like, focused and not, like, just mm-hmm. jittery anxious, and so... All right, well, we're gonna have to get the uh, uh, Roberto Iglesias uh, playlist here <laughs> at some point. <laughs> And share yeah, that out. There should. we go. Yes. All right. And uh, yeah, book. Do you, do you have a, a book or author that you do a bit of reading or do you have to do more technical reading for work instead so you don't do fun reading or what? I, yeah, I was going to say like, you know, it's it's sad to admit, but most of my reading tends to be I do quite a bit of kind of audiobooks, but I end up being a lot about kind of uh, business, you know, kind of management stuff and, and, and you know, just in general leadership ones. So not as uh, maybe not as, uh, uh, as 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 interesting and kind of the general uh, it's been a really long time, maybe decades, since I've kind of just read a book for, for fun. you know, kind of yeah. like uh, uh, kind of non 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 business or kind of leadership book or things like that. That's where I tend to spend a lot of time reading. So yeah, that's a tough one on books. Yeah, I don't know which one I would call as a kind of most influential book, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure which one I would say there off the top of my head. What were some of the ones I remember that were big business-like ones? Like, like uh, don't sweat the small stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Gosh, what were some of the other ones that were like a big deal back in the 2000s that I remember back when I was around a lot of people reading that stuff, but <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, around business, there's a bunch. Yeah. Uh, the, for but... me, the, 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 you know, I think there, there was one that I keep, I, I just keep coming back to all the time when I'm having uh, conversations with people and, and it's called the go giver, the go giver, the go giver, the go giver. And there's a second book that's a kind of like the go, uh, the go given leader, I think, or something like that, which is a kind of a follower. But, but it was, a, it was a good one for me because it helped me transition from that mo that motto of kind of go getter. You have to go do it all to like, how you get people further to do it for you <laughs> a, a little bit but just changing bit, yeah. the mindset of actually a lot of the a lot of the the things how you get there is by helping others is by enabling others and so it's kind of right. more about what you're it, it's kind of flipping it uh, on its head the whole mm-hmm. go-getter thing to be a go giver instead of getter that makes sense that makes and sense. so yeah I, I that one uh yeah i I, it, it kind of struck a chord when I read it a few years ago. I think that uh, that suits well. So, how does everybody follow the uh, Pura Vida? Is that is that a, am I saying that right? Uh, rally team. Uh, Pura Vida, yes. Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Which, by the way, we should tell for all your followers, it's 
means pure life. I love and that. And it's a it's it's a it's a very it's a very Costa Rican saying. Uh, we use it for hello, goodbye, how are you doing, like everything. But basically, it em- embodies kind of the Costa Rican spirit, pure life. So pura vida. So always feel free to say hi to me or whatever. Just yell pura vida. Um, but how do they follow us? Uh, both on on Facebook and Instagram, we are uh, pura vida rally. So P U R A V is in vector I D A uh, rally, and so all all one word. Pura vida rally is how you can find us. Uh, and you know, I've learned a thing or two after having KJ as my co-driver, but not nearly as much about social media. But we try to post all the all the good stuff we're up to, and on all the great companies that partner with us, and and try to help us get out there on stage. Well, it's been awesome chatting with you. You've been putting on quite the show in in the last couple of years that I've been following you. And uh, I I look forward to, uh, yeah, seeing you more out there and tearing up the stages and the class being just as tight as ever. Um, Nick Allen's definitely showing he's got pace. You're getting faster. Everybody in the class is is starting to really push it. And I'm super excited for uh, Limited Two Wheel Drive in 2023. I, I am with you, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I have the same wishes. Hope that everybody that, has, you know, wants to build a car, starts building a car, build a limited two-wheel drive or go buy one of the great limited two-wheel drive cars that are out there. And, you know, consider running national if you're going to run more than one region. Uh, now you only have to run two regions. And so if you're central and east, that's uh, not too far of a stretch or west and central. And, and it... I think it'll it'll be a, a great year next year for for national limited two wheel drive. I hope. Well, I hope Santiago does uh, a few more as well as as you go east, uh, and you guys can uh, <laughs> battle it out again. I hope so too. I hope so too. I was giving, you know he was he was uh, kind of gloating around having beaten me on some stages, and oh, I yeah. said, "Look, look." This, well, he's a little was, cocky, but I love it. it, it yeah, in a fun way, and he's not yeah, like a total said, ass about it. He's just fun with it. Yeah, I said I wasn't sending it on this one, but don't worry, we'll we'll send it again to. Get, you know, together. Uh, so for I beat him. This one, you know, he was faster, and you know, we'll we'll go to another one where you know I send it again, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, cool. thank you so much for coming on the Rally Cast. Uh, it was really fun chatting with you, and uh, we'll see how things go next year. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Know what I hate? Big bulky, underperforming batteries. Lighten your load with Performance Battery from Melee Design Firm. They have time-tested solutions for your race car, rally car, or even your daily commuter. Make sure you check us out at MeleeDesignFirm.com, a proud sponsor of the Open Paddock Rallycast since 2020. Well, I'm excited to hear that uh, RT Competizione or Competition is coming back to the States and giving it another go. Again, showing the growth in arrive and drive options. Hopefully this means then that Ed McNelly and the FE Motorsports folks have another uh, room in their stall for someone else to come from the bottom end up uh, competing in the limited two-wheel drive or whatever other cars that they're going to offer in that group because they've always been a great kind of startup. Also, again, that reach out to everyone that's uh, a musician out there or knows someone in the rally community that's a musician. Please, again, reach out to Derek at johnson.derekm.com at gmail.com so that way he can again hook up with you and give you the details and hopefully record or or get you on track to help record some of that stuff for the upcoming uh, musical piece he is working on 
Um, I'd also like to send a shout out and thank you to, of course, our supporters, Oz Rally Pro and Melee Design Firm. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Melee's got a documentary series they did for Era Motorsports, who they had partnered with for the 2022 season. It's a great watch. It, it, it's really good documentary coverage. Um, the, the filming is fantastic. And so I would encourage you to go watch that. It's on YouTube. If you go to Era Motorsports, make sure you watch that. I guess that wraps it up for me. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Remember, keep it shiny side up.